All right, we got plenty to cover today in Good Hour. Ben Ennis is here, sticking around Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. This is, I, I, I got to, can I just say something? Uh, not to jinx it's it? It's your show. What do you mean? No, you can't say things. No, but. Be a long two hours. I just don't want this to get misinterpreted in the wrong way, right out of the gate. What? You know? Yeah. I feel like you're a little punchy today. Like maybe you didn't sleep a lot last night or something. I actually feel the opposite. Is that okay. I finally got like a little bit better sleep last night. I started wearing a sleep mm. mask. So <laughs> uh, my wife uh, needs to watch television before she goes to bed. She says this helps her, even though like every like study every, is, yeah. yeah, it's like, no, don't look at screens before. She's like, I yeah. have to. And so she puts you know, like um, Bluetooth earbuds in to watch TV, but it's the light is still like impacting yeah, yeah. my sleep. So I got sleep mask. Cool. I, and I... I slept better last yeah. night than normal, so I think the opposite helps is, is you sleep. Yeah, I love I love full like darkness. Yeah, s- no sensory deprivation. Like I yeah. sometimes wear earplugs and the sleep mask, which is like full on. <laughs> I think it's super cold. Yeah, like I want to feel like I'm in a grave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The earplugs is a bit much. Yeah, it's not uh, good for your ear. I got to tell you, I used to be a TV at night guy, always. Uh-huh. As in always TV on at night. Needed a screen playing something. Mm-hmm. Once I kicked that habit, mm-hmm. it's truly one of the most life-altering. You life sleep altering. now? What do you mean? Like, because you, you've always, always struggled bad, to sleep. That's what but I've always been a bad sleeper. What I'm saying is I was always a bad sleeper. I still am not a great sleeper. I don't just, like, go out, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't go out. And, and I, I don't like taking melatonin, too, because it makes me feel like... If I if I can't sleep and I've taken the melatonin, then I'm in yeah, a hell. Worse, it, it, it doesn't hell. help me sleep either. I it's hate just it. like I feel relaxed. I was like, oh, this is nice. Yeah, no, like no, no, no. this feels like I could sleep, but I don't sleep. And, and I'm never going to take <laughs> sleeping pills. I I'm already ner- anxious enough about my Twitter account when I have two drinks. <laughs> I don't need I don't need to throw sleeping pills into the mix on that one. But kicking the screen at night, yeah. getting that gone, uh-huh. I never I never knew how good life could be. Really? It's, oh, dude, it's, I would say that. How do you do that after, so you take a break, you watch sports until yeah. the conclusion of the night, yeah. and then you. Last night, same thing, I watched Women Yama till and, the finish. And then you, what, take half an hour where it's no yeah. screen time? Yeah, pretty much. Wow, like, it's late. Yeah, it is, I watch That's a lot also of sports. part of it. No, I'm but dedicated I'm saying... to my craft. I know that you don't understand <laughs> yeah, this no. quite the same way, but <laughs> no. I. We have it's similar wake-up times, yeah. you and I now, for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing, though. I've done that. I mm-hmm. did that, mm-hmm. and I still stayed up late at night. Mm-hmm. I still did. You're a but superman. They, but they said, you can't do this anymore because you you, you burn out. You're doing too much. Yeah. And I did it. You, you do it at, what, three hours? Yeah. Yeah, mine's four. Yeah, mine's four. three people on your show, I think. Yeah, I I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, no, I get how it goes. Just saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Four hours, three hours, pretty big difference. <laughs> three people. I mean, if we're doing the math, right. like you did less. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> tell your wife to kick the screen because it will. It, it just, when it goes away, you, you never go back. It's just fan. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just turn the screen into a fan. Anyway, I was going to say that you're a little punchy today and I liked it. I, I enjoy this because I, I usually have my highest hopes for when you're a little, mm-hmm. one of us is a little punchy that usually. Well, I mean, you get me after doing three hours of radio when I've no, woken before, up at four o'clock no, in the morning. No, that's the thing. You've normally been really sharp. You sit in here. This is actually, can what? I say I'm another not... thing that you want to, okay. that I want to offend you? I think you... this. Dare I say, I get the best study. You the fourth hour is your best hour. You're actually being deprived. You're being deprived. If you could just do a fourth hour every day, I think that it's the. Because let's be clear, the first hour is probably not very good. How it's would you know? Yeah, I, I'll never know. I'll never know. I'll never know. <laughs> the first hour know. is spectacular. Yeah, the first hour is probably just 
throw it away every day. Don't even put it on the podcast. Don't let it, don't let it reach the ears of the people. Hour two, starting to ease in, starting so to get wait, all right. Three, you believe you get the best out of me? You yeah. think the best work I yeah. do is like mostly you yeah. t- taking up 80% of the airtime? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. No, it's shocking that you would believe that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay, so... Last night, I'm just watching the Raptors game. I don't want to do Raptors first impressions with you, but I'm just sitting there in my piece, you know, watching basketball. I'm just in full, th- what a beautiful evening where it's just, there. I'm excited the World Series is coming back. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy watching hockey. I love football, but it was so beautiful to just be able to have my cornucopia thing, of yeah. basketball yeah. last night where I just sat down and I watched all the basketball teams, and I got my little morsel of each. I watched a lot of the Celtics game, obviously, because Celtics-Knicks was really good. Mm-hmm. I watched probably a little bit too much secondarily of the Atlanta Hawks-Charlotte Hornets game because of a bet that I lost on yeah. the Hawks. And I'm sitting there going, why would I do this to yeah. me, myself? I think that the Haw- the Hornets' leading score had 13 points in that game, and I mm-hmm. lost a bet. But anyways, I, I actually picked every single game correctly last night except for the Hawks. You mean you, like, made a bet on every single game? No. I went through with my brother. I picked every single game. And I said, these are the games that I liked. I picked everything correct except for that game. I even picked the Raptors correctly. Publish all the text between you and your brother just sure. to, to bring them all to light. Sure. Uh, well, yeah. All of them. Of, yeah. No, all the text. Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. only way. You know how I text. <laughs> <laughs> you, know you know how what I they text. They say and... don't text anything yeah. that you wouldn't say in a live even... microphone. Dude, I was going to say, I, I don't even like talking about my text because yeah. it's just it encourages like, some hacker out there yeah. what hears it and is like well, you know what that's your work phone i mean you don't even need a hacker yeah. we need like yeah yeah exactly somebody in the the the, the office upstairs to be like all right that's enough <laughs> anyway uh really tough on the podcast anyway so i'm watching the raptors game in my piece uh-huh i'm sitting there quietly just enjoying <laughs> the games. Live by yourself. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. I hope so it's nice. quietly. It'd be weird if you were making a lot of noise it was to just, yourself. It was just bliss. Bliss of the Raptors. And I'm watching Dennis Schroeder do his thing. I'm going, hmm, you know what? Is he better than Fred Van Vliet? Not Possibly. responding to my texts as no, much, but this much is, as I was. Yeah, you know. that, this is a reason why, though. So I'm watching the Raptors game. And if any of you, if you're listening to this, then maybe you were a fan of Good Show and Good Hour and you listen to Annis and I a lot. Is throughout our friendship, you've had... One take your whole life, which is get Joey oh, Votto to the Blue Jays. That one, and yeah. in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, he texts me, quote, did you read BNS's yeah. piece? Yeah. And I went, yeah. And and again, by the way, Ben Nicholson-Smith wrote a terrific piece yeah. up on sportsnet.ca. It was one of the 10 scenarios. That's my whole point. There's 10 scenarios <laughs> that Ben Nicholson-Smith has outlined for the Blue Jays offseason. And they're like... Heimer Candelario, uh, you know, Shohei Otani. playing third base Anyway, in anyway, it's all these names. It's all these yeah. trades. This, mm. He's got somewhere, it's like an Alec Manoa trade for Dylan mm. Carlson. Yeah. And the thing that sticks out Man. for you is a 40-year-old Joey Votto yeah. who hit 200 last year well, coming to Toronto. And you went, hey, you know what? He Here's my Joey Votto. 14 homers yeah, in like it. 60 games. I, I, so my question to you is, what would Joey Votto have to be for you to not want him to be on the Blue Jays? Because here's, here's what I think you're going to do. Mm-hmm. I think when he retires. Yes. No, he should be uh, the manager of the Blue Jays. Correct. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a job where you don't get to decide what to do anyways, yeah. right? Like, yeah, he can take, take orders. He off of the players because he's yeah. such a wonky dude. I don't get it. I, wonky I, dude? No, it's he's just, a lovable it's, character. I, I don't agree. No, you and Brian, you guys should do a, a show together. Because you guys have the same take. He hates his guts. Like he, I don't hate Joey Votto's well, guts. Okay. He, and he did... 
Yeah, he we did all know what he me did. at the NBA oh, All Star okay. Game in Toronto in 2016. <laughs> yeah. He did. He did. How? how wow. I said, hey, Joey. Man, he was yeah, in his seat. That's, that's he was shocking. in his seat with his father. A Toronto yeah. sports media icon yeah. like you that he just he said, who the Buddy. hell are you? Or leave me alone? <laughs> yeah. You fan no, boy? No, he didn't say who the hell are you. He knew who I was. Because I walked he up. He knew who you were? How no, did he, he know, didn't who, know you... who I was? Of course he didn't know who I was. Oh, okay. What are you talking about? Unless you I were wearing a shirt him. that said, like, I'm yeah, J.D. Yeah, Buck as I yeah. had a show. No, <laughs> I, I walked up to him with a huge Fan 590 mic. It's <laughs> oh. like, yo, you want me to get a couple minutes? And he just went, no. And I went, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Selfish. In your seat with your dad at the All-Star game trying to enjoy your own time. He wasn't even, like, perusing the concourse. Yeah. He was in his seat. Yeah. <laughs> what and a I rude still, guy that he I still wanted to shot. spend. I still yeah. took a shot. I said, hey, this is this would be good for the podcast. It was a free association at the time. I was like, yeah, let me take a shot. No, Joey you got to take right a there. shot. That's took fine. Took a shot. And, and now he, you hate, that's, that's informed That's not why opinion. I hate him actually at all. I, I, I And I don't hate him. <laughs> See how you. <laughs> yeah, 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 I accepted you. <laughs> yeah, you did. Brent, I got I Brent to say he hated him no, too on the radio. I did. Earlier. I really don't appreciate the yeah, Canada comments no, no. and 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 I think that the apology was BS. I think that the apology was totally like this guy's like I'm Mr. Wonky, haha. And then the world started crashing down around him, and he went, "Oh goodness me, oh goodness me, I'm a little nervous." And that's what I mean is it's a little bit of an act, and it's a little fraudulent. Like either stand stand on what you say is all I gotta say about yeah, that. Did you about it? anyway? Yeah, I just uh, you know, it's, it's enough. The TikTok stuff and the joking around and the haha. Oh, again, just, like you and Brian, you guys are relying. I just think you, you that some guys are not that funny and they. Try to be funny. We used to work with a guy he like that. He said, Brent did the thing that, like, if you ever want to indicate that somebody is not funny or trying too hard to be funny, you bring up the name Joe Biagini. And that's what yeah. Brent did today. Like, that's an, ex- like, that is Can so insulting. If someone if ever said that, to, Joe, would... if there was a Joe Biagini spectrum, he would be one of the closest baseball players oh in existence to Joe Biagini. Goodness. Anyway, I don't want to get too far down this Gracious. route. This, the whole point was just like, you have this obsession with this guy. Yeah. And, Greatest Canadian baseball player in history. I, uh, yeah. That's it. Exactly. I got, I got some sp- spicy texts. Larry Walker. Like I, you can't, you can't say somebody's great without like. Yeah, I know. Disparaging the other guy. I don't. Larry Walker's well, amazing. It is part of it. You follow politics. <laughs> yeah, I know. Larry Walker's so 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 great. And yeah. boy, you want to talk about a guy that leans into the Canadian of it all? Like his his Twitter handle is Canadian Moose Lips, yeah. right? Larry Walker. Yeah. So yeah, he's the man. He scratches that itch for you. I get it. And he's he's a Hall of Famer. Like mm-hmm. I don't need to tell you how great Larry Walker is. Joey Votto is going to be in the Hall of Fame as well. And for my money, he's the better player. He's the best. Canadian Again, baseball player. No one, yeah, no one asked in history. No one asked. This I mean, you is just, brought it up. We no, didn't no, have I to do it. You said you're, you're such this a guy. I dismissive said you're text. I didn't think you we we're going to talk Joey Votto at all. Exactly. And then, and then you're like, you start already doing your campaign speech for Joey Votto <laughs> for the Hall of Fame. He's not going to do the thing that you want him to do, which is shout you out at his Hall of Fame speech. Uh, you're not going to get so it. Great. You're not going to sit there and weep. <laughs> it's not worked out well. No, it hasn't. People, exactly. Don't do that. Hey, if there's anything that we've learned, is yeah. Keep it to the people you really know. Yep. <laughs> Keep it to the people mm-hmm. that Family. you really know, anyway. that you know what the skeletons are. Anyway, okay, so the Raptors played last night. Did they? Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. I have some thoughts. Mm-hmm. I, no, no way. Well, I, so I want to do Raptors first impressions with you. Yeah. And so just a couple of things that just stuck out to you. They don't have to be hot takes. They don't have to be spicy no. takes. Just a couple of things that really pop to you, because I've got a couple as well, and then I have an overall one that I don't know if I'm even going to say, because I don't really want to trend on Raptors Reddit again. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I would say the first one that came to mind is like, we all know Dennis Schroeder is like a very mm-hmm. passable player, but I yeah. was reminded that like Dennis Schroeder at $25 million, he's not $100 million less than Fred Van Vliet as a basketball no, player. But that was never the case. Yeah. It's just that the, I think we made a big deal about this team being a 41-win team and losing an all-star in Fred Van Vliet and how the, that position was going to be the major area that they would have to overcome to to surpass last year's win total. Yeah, Dennis Schroeder's pretty passable basketball player, and I know it's one game and first impressions are important, but yeah, he's not at $100 million less than Fred Van Vliet. First of all, I would just like to say that the Raptors show with Will Liu, mm-hmm. Blake Murphy, and Alex Wong, they... This is announced. Do I get to say? No, never mind. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> great. Whoops. They are. Doing, wow. I don't know what this is. So, like, I'm in the same position it, as the it, listener. Here's what I would say. They're doing exciting things. So, oh. tune in. Yeah. Do you mean to today or like? I what? almost screwed that. Possibly today. Possibly tomorrow. <laughs> here's what? what I would say. Here's what I would say about their show. What? Is if you are a Raptors fan and you subscribe to their podcast, yeah. as you should have. Yeah. You follow the Sportsnet page on YouTube. You do all those mm-hmm. things. Then maybe, just maybe, you'll find out nice, fancy things about that show. Okay? Do you think they shout out your podcast a lot no. on their show? <laughs> no. God, goodness, no. Anyway, um, Dennis Schroeder, I, it just needs to be mentioned. He was lights out from three last night. He yes. hit four of eight. Um, he was 32, you know, he's, he's basically a 32% three-point sure. shooter. So I, I do think that a little bit of last night's excitement was, wow, mm-hmm. this guy really did knock down all the shots. But he's very quick. He's a very good on-ball defender, which is something that Fred Van Vliet did very well, but he's a little bit bigger at it. He's got great hands, and it looks like he's carried over some of the momentum from the, yeah, from the World Cup of Basketball, uh, where he was brilliant. He was the MVP. He led his German team to the, to the actual win. And he looks like a guy who played a ton of basketball in the summer, right? He looked fresh. That Wolves team looked terrible. Like, and the Raptors kind of scraped and clawed to beat them. And I, I'm not trying to, this is not a takeaway excitement thing. I agree with your Schroeder take, is that I like Schroeder. I think there's a lot to like there. But the Fred Van Vliet play as to why he got so much money is helping that team start to win more basketball games. Mm-hmm. I think that they are of the belief that he is going to facilitate that, even though they got smoked in game one. By the magic. Yeah, but th- actually, but I think the magic is going to be pretty sure. good this year. But I know, hold we've on. been saying that for a while. The Schroeder experience, I think, is going to be very up and down in terms of it when he's shooting that, mm-hmm. like he did last night, you're going to love Schroeder. You're going to look at the stat sheet, and you're going to say that's awesome. The nights where he's shooting it poorly and he's kind of bricking a bunch of shots, you're going to say... It's true of a lot of players. It is, but... The, my point is, is just like he's a he's a career essentially thirty two thirty three percent guy, and he's a wide open looks dude. He'll he's, fit right in. Yeah. What I did here's my first impression. What I really loved is the ball movement thing is very clear. It's it's just it's it's not going to stick the way that it has in years past. And it seems anyway that the whole hey this is like the one byproduct of Fred leaving is that there's less stickiness. Fred Van Vliet was a pretty sticky player with the mm-hmm. basketball at times, and he could dribble the ball really late in a shot clock and have those heaves he would try to create for himself oftentimes. Felt like there's been a couple iterations of this team where Pascal Siakam has tried to be the quote-unquote man, and there's been a lot of emphasis on that. And I will say, if there's a Raptors first impression for me, it's that the ball movement thing is real, that they keep preaching it, they're talking about it nonstop, 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 but that it also didn't feel like Siakam's team anymore. Um, Like, it doesn't feel like that's as much of a story going into this year Mm -hmm. as it did in years past. And for a guy that's in a contract year, like Scotty Barnes came out and he stuffs the stat sheet. The main thing was the five blocks and the two steals. Mm -hmm. He was brilliant defensively. 
he's really showcasing that new three. Mm-hmm. He took a bunch of them and he knocked one down that was really pretty nice. But you can tell he's been working on his jump shot all season long. He's got the right attitude. He had the ball a lot in his hands. I felt good when the ball was in his hands. And then the Raptors pieces all just sort of fit together. And Siakam did a good job too. And it wasn't his best night from the field. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel he like... a bunch of threes though too. I didn't feel like it was as heliocentric as years past with Siakam. Where yeah. it was, hey, everything's running through him. Everything's running mm-hmm. through Pascal. Just kind of felt like everybody was getting their opportunity. But it was most notable when Barnes and Schroeder had the ball. That being said, you can't make chicken salad out of you know, something that isn't chicken salad on yeah. the half court, right? Like, and, and maybe it's going to get better. Like, uh, eventually they're going to start making those chippies at the rim because, holy cow, how many how many around-the-rim shots did they miss? It, was a, it felt like a bunch yesterday as well. Yeah, I will say, though, that if we're doing the deserve-to-win-o-meter mm-hmm. based on which team just looked horrendous in, mm-hmm. from their offense, like, how many shots? Carl Anthony Towns, I think, was two of ten from three. Mm-hmm. And he was even – he had some moments in that game where he's just like – Midway, the the weird thing about having Rudy Gobert around the rim mm-hmm. is that it's like you you think there's like a lob there always, mm-hmm. and so it feels like some of those guys get stuck between am I shooting a floater or lobbing it to Rudy? <laughs> and there's Do just you think it's like distracting. Yeah, there's like four or five. Go run the tape. There's yeah. like four or five moments in the game where guys are like shoot, it's like miss miss enough that it's yeah. an air ball. And they were just they were just they're just an a, assist. They're a clumsy group. And it's, uh, it's well, quite, at least on. they're not as heavily leveraged into being good right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's not like they gave up all their picks for, for the guy that, and Walker Kessler and the guy who I I look at Rudy Gobert and go, yeah, no, this is definitely worth not even one first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just dogging it out there. Yeah. He's a dog. I <laughs> like I I would say out of so. I wanted to talk to you about a little bit about Weminyama of like mm-hmm. athletes have been mostly like when Weminyama got hot last night in the fourth quarter and he pours in five in a row, he hits a three and then he hits a shot mm-hmm. from the left corner and you go, Ooh, this is spicy. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they're tied, right? They come back from down five and then Luka Doncic goes off and I'm like, damn, we're going to have these two guys in the state. And look at this French absolute phenom, right? In Weminyama. It's the first game in the NBA. It's, it's a little underwhelming from what we expected because it's like 15 points, but there's like that moment, right? Yeah. There's a couple of moments in the game where you just see those little flashes and you go, this is so unbelievably exciting. Rudy Gobert is the exact opposite end of the spectrum. It's two seven-foot French guys for me where I get the exact opposite feeling watching them play. One is just pure unbridled excitement. Yeah. The other is just, you dog. Yeah. <laughs> like it is. Chant. I, I can't. Who's a worse athlete to watch than Rudy Gobert? Like if you told mm. me, if, you, if I said to, I came to you today and I was like, Hey, um, your team has traded multiple first round picks and assets and they have acquired player X. Who's the worst name you could hear that for? Like, it has to be realistic. Like it can't be, Hey, they gave up multiple first round picks for, you know, uh, the rights to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Malik Willis is who he just used in his ear because he's a Titans fan. Awesome. Right. But you know what I'm saying here, right? Like someone's fairly realistic. Like Rudy Gobert is at the lowest end yeah. of the And he player. got the most. Yeah. No, it's insane. It's yeah. I mean, look at look at the trade packages given up for some of the superstar players outside yeah. of him. After him, it hasn't been close to what <laughs> the Timberwolves no. gave up to the Jazz. Oh, it broke Masai. Yeah, because Masai saw that trade He's and like, he was I, so jealous I can of do it. it. I can outdo it. Yes, he went. I need to have that. 
How do I get those? <laughs> Give me that. Yeah. And then the rest of the NBA went, whoa, we're not doing anything like that, Masai. And yeah. he said, well, I want 84 draft picks for OG. And they said no. Yeah. And now his brain is broken and he's never been able to recover. Mm-hmm. It's true. He's never been able to recover from seeing that Rudy Gobert trade because that's all he's ever wanted was to destroy a team in a trade that badly, right? That's mm-hmm. been Masai his whole career. I want to destroy. He's not the guy in your fantasy league that sends you the fair trades where you go, hmm, he's the guy in your fantasy league that sends you the trade where you immediately just get offended and don't want to talk to that person for a week because it's just, yeah, it's an it's insulting to your intelligence. Anyways, other Raptors first impressions for me is no Grady Dick. Yeah, it was nice, though, that Darko gave the fans the two minutes, right? Because that's purely what it was. It's like, I don't think you're going to see this game tomorrow, uh, this guy tomorrow okay. against the Bulls. Like, I felt like that it, it was a guy that was on the fringe of the rotation during the preseason. Okay. I, I just I, I I think he's going to have to earn his way into the rotation. If that's going to happen, it's going to be in a couple of weeks. But it, I, I thought he gave the fans... Okay. An opportunity to to see Grady Dick, and certainly that would have been a major talking point if he didn't make an appearance at all, and he got the biggest pop, and then had the reverse layup attempt that didn't go, and got an assist, which I don't remember. But I I thought that was, if 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 in fact Grady Dick is not part of the rotation, it was a nice little give back to the Raptors fans that he made an appearance at all. So. Darko has said that they want to be a 10-man rotation. Yeah, it was a nine-man rotation. Well, Grady was the 10th guy to get in with the two minutes. It was a tight ball game. I didn't think that he would be the 10th man. I I guess the the Jalen McDaniel signing may have pushed the Raptors' first-round pick, the lottery pick. uh, My only point is, is you want me to do the thing that I was going to say is going to get pissy people pissy on the yeah, Raptors. Yeah, why would you be afraid of Raptors? I'm not Reddit? I'm not afraid of it. It's just it's just it's just a first game and I can understand why people would get pissed at this. But I'm let's be honest here. Like I was watching that Raptors game last night and I went, this feels very familiar. Okay, the ball's moving, yeah. but ultimately I'm not looking at these guys going, "Boy, I think they're That's they're really going to just destroy expectations no. this season." It's just like, "Oh yeah, no, they look like a middle-rung team that's mm. struggling to beat a Minnesota group that is missing one of their best three guys." has zero depth just like the Raptors, is playing on the road and has Carl Anthony Towns shooting as poorly as he possibly can with Rudy Gobert just doing nothing positive. Just like even I'm like, you're the depoy? <laughs> you were depoy? Because you don't look like a depoy. And Scotty finished around him at the rim like with yeah, dude, the everybody greatest did. Everybody these. did. Everyone was like, you're down there? Who cares? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The guy, the Mr. Broom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... I looked at this Raptors team and thought, yeah, all right, Scotty looks pretty good. Shooter looks like Shooter. I, I watched the NBA, so I was, I was familiar with his game. Yeah. I was the anti-Shaq. Um, OG looked solid at a good game. Siakam's going to play better. They're going to have nights where I think that they match up well against other teams. But overall, I think that for a lot of us watching the Raptors, you're not just going to buy in immediately to this group because it's going to feel very familiar with the team. And you're going to say, all right, like I went down this road before and we kind of know what the ceiling is and what is the direction because it's not that they can't win games and it's not that they don't have talent. It's that what is the overall goal here? What is it that you say you do here mm-hmm. in terms of moving forward, right? What What is the next step for this team? That's the question that we want answered. And... So it's going to take a little while for people to, it's going to take a little while for the Raptors to earn the trust, I would say, of non just diehard, I can't wait for Raptors games fans. Basically, my mom, right? The equivalent of the Chargers fan that's there just like freaking out. Like my mom sent me 82 texts last night about the Raptors. She's upset that the Raptors broadcast has a smaller desk than the hockey broadcast. Like this is how much she loves the Raptors. She's like, I don't really understand why this has to be the case. I was like, I've never thought about this. Once. Uh, it is an interesting but, yeah, anyway, yeah, she's well, like, now, yeah. now I am thinking yeah, about it. How come like, there's not a four, four anyway, person desk at anyway, halftime? 
<laughs> anyway, I just, it's going to take a while for people to really ramp up some version of excitement for this team. It's going to take some phenomenal Scotty Barnes, him and Siakam seamlessly fitting in together, them winning, going on a red hot streak, shooter looking great, all these different things. One of the pieces that you were most looking forward to was seeing Grady Dick. Of course. And so just from an entertainment standpoint, from of a course. pure entertainment standpoint, it's pretty disappointing to yeah, see him bummer. behind Jalen McDaniels, who, by the way, I think is a fine player, but... Oh, three from three? He, I think he's a fine player, but I don't think Jalen McDaniels, someday we're going to look on this one and say, boy, I can even... In, and Jaden is the better one, who's his brother that plays from Minnesota who wasn't mm-hmm. there, and I'm going to screw this up forever, so I'm sorry if I go call him Jaden McDaniels. He's Jalen. I, I just don't... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not excited to watch him play. It's like, fine. It's fine to have him there. I want to see Grady Dick and... Yeah. yeah, I think you will. I don't feel sad for saying this. I don't feel bad. It's one game, but I, I want to see. I want to see the lottery pick play. Yeah, I think, and I think Darko Ryakovic understood that everybody is in that camp. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to see Grady Dick play. I mean, you heard the pop that he got in Vancouver in the preseason mm-hmm. game, right? Like that is what what mm-hmm. is there, there's no offense, nothing totally exciting about a Raptors team that won 41 games in their big acquisition. It's running back all the same guys, except was, for, yeah, McDaniels and, and, and more minutes from Alakai Flynn, who and, was, oh my God, so bad. And, and Nick Nurse was looking at that game going, everybody was all I mad know, at me, huh? God. I was a bad guy for sitting that dude who turns the ball over every time and fouls everyone. I, if he played... 35 yeah. minutes. How many fouls he could he have conceivably have taken? He played 25 taken... minutes, and I think he had four no, fouls. No, he had, he played 10 minutes, and he took four fouls. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah. Four <laughs> fouls. <laughs> and he was minutes. minus 12 or something. And no. he had two turnovers. Yeah, he hit that three, though. I was like, oh, thank goodness. You have yeah. something to take away from this game. Yeah, no, they're, they're the exciting thing about a team that is banking so much on vibes to be the difference between a very hard-watch 81 or a 41-win team a season ago and this team the mm-hmm. the the one exciting thing is the the first round pick that apparently the Portland Trailblazers thought was quality enough to be not the centerpiece but like had to be part of any kind of trade for yeah. Dame Lillard yeah it, I know. It's the, in hindsight the Dame Lillard stuff feels kind of stupid to me especially afterwards where they were like he wasn't coming to Toronto every insider it's <laughs> like yeah. hey uh that's cool that they said that, but they were totally using you for leverage, just like Toronto always is essentially used for leverage, uh, especially in, in baseball signings. That's mm-hmm. the number one spot. But, yeah, uh, I hope that we end up seeing more Grady Dick. I think um, you will, but I don't know if it'll be early on this season. I already kind of said what I needed to say about the women Yama debut. I was so excited for it. I stayed up to watch it. Um, he delivered on the it's he's the best player to watch because you can sit there with anyone right you can sit there with anyone who doesn't watch sports and say (laughs) hey you see how everyone out there is like between six foot four and seven feet tall he's a foot tall and then look at him (laughs) and you can immediately look and just say whoa what are you supposed to do when the three is dropping nothing that's the point nothing you can't do anything (laughs) no there's a real (laughs) so to me, I've, I've, I've always said this. To me, the greatest player ever is always going to be Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. LeBron is the most physical freak that I've ever seen. And just the career is just out of this world. Amazing. LeBron deserves all the credit. But to me, he's just, he's not, and he's not the most, he's not Michael. Like he's just, he's not, he's never going to pass Michael for me. I don't care if he gets a fifth ring at age 40, which he's never going to get anyways, because the the who's your daddy thing is very real with Denver. They're, they they got to pray for a miracle. They got to pray for Denver to just like Jokic goes, 
I'm going to do the horse thing in the middle of the year. <laughs> I'm just doing the horse thing. I'm out. <laughs> Keep your money. I don't need that much. I already bought all the horses I want. I'm into this. Uh, I mean, well, yeah. What's he going to do with all that money? But the most dominant player that I've ever seen is Shaq. The most dominant player where I felt like the NBA was unfair was Shaq in his mm-hmm. prime, where when they were dumping the ball on Shaq and there was, you know, uh, Scott Pollard defending him, I went, this isn't fair. This isn't right. It's just Shaq. It's, this is unstoppable. And then they started fouling him and it changed it a little bit. But really just prime Shaq on the block for the Lakers. Nothing tops that in terms of dominance where it just – it kind of it kind of ruined the NBA a little mm-hmm. bit because they were so dominant that it just felt like a little bit like the Warriors super team like too much certainty. So Michael broke the NBA for a little while because it was man Michael's just inevitable he's going to win. Then the Lakers broke the NBA for a little bit because it was just man Shaq is so dominant and this is my only thing with the, the Kobe stuff is that it's just like Kobe yeah the all the the first bunch of championships were Shaq championships and Kobe was very much secondary. Then there was a period where it felt like the Warriors broke the NBA and it was because they stacked the team so drastically. Like it was too many good players on one team. And he went, this isn't fair. We thought the NBA was going to break when LeBron went to Miami. We, we had a moment where we all panicked, but then that team didn't really pan out as much. They had a couple of years. They had the win streak. There was a, there was some moments of it, but it wasn't the same feeling, especially since they got humbled immediately by a Mavericks team that the second best player is debatable on. Right? Mm-hmm. So the third time the NBA felt broken to me was that, was the Warriors team. Now, Weminyama, to me, has the potential to do this again where for, for the exact reason you just said, which is if he can be healthy mm-hmm. and he can maximize his potential, it just feels like he is going to be unfair. Where you're going to watch some of these games and say, it's not fair that those guys have that. It's not fair that there's a seven foot five guy who's blocking all the shots like, did you see that little moment with Kyrie too, where Kyrie's try- he gets Zach Collins mm-hmm. in isolation, and he goes, "Oh my God, why are you here? I'm Kyrie. You're big six ten white Zach Collins. You move like a-, a glacier speed. Crossover time, woo! And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like Jaws." It's just out of the no, water. No, it's, it's amazing, like, how far away from, like, jump shots nowhere. he is, yes. and then it's being deflected. A- out of nowhere. He just comes and deflects the Kyrie <laughs> shot. And you say, this is insane. I, I feel like he has the potential to break the NBA. It's not going to happen this year, obviously, with that yeah. Spurs team with eight guys who you've never heard of before, God. Doug McDermott and Vassell. Yeah. <laughs> Vassell, but who I can always call Vassell. But it's it could happen. He, he could be a... He could be a... A sport runer. <laughs> like he could be a sport runer. Yeah. Five years from now, don't be surprised if this guy is ruining the sport for you, where you don't even want to watch it because you go, Yeah, yeah, I get it. He's way too good. Yeah, the health thing is the major sure. thing, right? Uh despite the fact that he does all kinds of plyometrics, right? He's he's very you know, and he doesn't weigh a ton for a guy that's seven feet five inches tall, but mm-hmm. yeah, that also could work in his detriment. And I guess got in foul trouble yesterday as well. Mm-hmm. So like gotta stay out of that. But yeah. yeah it's his first game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was still three or five from three. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. That's the thing that seems like ready-made. It's like the, the guy's a dead-eye shooter. Yeah, I just, like, I just, I do not know what you're it's supposed insane. to do. He he could be the new Shaq. He mm-hmm. could break the NBA in terms of the feelings of unfair. Or to put it in Raptors terms, if you didn't watch Shaq, remember how you felt when LeBron was on the Cavs and he was spinning his ball <laughs> yeah. and, and, and he was taking sips of beer, yeah. fake, you know, having fun with the Raptors? Uh-huh. That's how it might feel, but for everyone all the time. Push that team to six games. How dare you in an Eastern Conference final? Yeah, no. 
Perhaps those are pleasant memories. <laughs> no, really, Bismack Biombo, that was a great memory. The rest yeah. of it, not so much. Anyway, let's take a quick break. I want to talk to you about Mad Dog Russo. Because well, here's, here's my question. So if you haven't heard about Mad Dog, he vowed to retire if the Phillies won game seven. Not, six and seven. Yeah, he's, it was before game yeah, six. Yeah, he's... He's he's uh he's Jordan Belfour in the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not leaving. <laughs> he's not leaving. So I've got to have a little bit of a mad dog conversation for you. And okay, Moreno's in the World Series. I put money on him to win MVP. Yeah, that's smart. I saw that. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. You can do it too. It's it's available to you. Yes. So if you think it's smart, you can do it too. You can do it as well. Um, how much does the playoffs count in assessing the trade? Moving forward to you. That's a question I want answered next. All right, quick break and good hour then as continues. Sportsnet 590, the fan. <sighs> I might retire like Mad Dog Russo should have. <laughs> I on- you should. A lot of people have been saying you should. Yeah. Because they say, a lot of people what else happy. could you do? Yeah, you've accomplished everything you set out to accomplish in this business. Yeah, pretty much. What's left to do? Mm. Done it all? Did the morning show? Yeah. Better than you. Anyway, uh, Mad Dog Russo, one of the most famous. He has done everything. Yeah. Actual broadcast. Like one of the inventors of sports talk radio. Yes. One of the greatest of all time who has been recently more of a, he's, he does MLB network. He does, he does everything right. Serious. Mm -hmm. But lately he, the last year and a half, I want to say ish, he's been doing He's been jumping in as like a first take, hot take guy. Yeah. And so what what show does he actually do? Those two shows are the exact same High to me. High heat. No, on no, MLB no. Network that is, one's different. That's, where, that's the where, quote where he said this. Came, yeah. I know. But he does one of the Undisputeds or... It's first take. First take. It's first take on ESPN. Okay. Yeah. I just... Those shows are the exact same to me. I see them and I'm like, I don't... They blend together. Now they took oh, the host from... What do you mean? They literally went, hey... Uh, yeah. Shannon no, Sharp. but it's the Stephen A. and it's the Skip that's Bayless. It. Like the there's one it. is Skip Bayless, and first take is Stephen A. Yeah, but that's that's how I know it is. It's just there's the Stephen A. one, and then there's the Skip Bayless one. But Skip Bayless has gotten into trouble so many times now that they've kind of hijacked it from him. He's sort of just a bit player on his own show, and now he's like I don't even. I honestly, the, ever the since name Demar Hamlin, skips... he's he's never been the same. He got neutered after Demar. <laughs> What, the was everyone that again, came, like that we should keep playing the game. Yeah, that was... Demar Hamlin was lifeless on the field, and he was like, "Get back out there." <laughs> 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 yeah, no, it was not good. It was really not. You good. You never see him retract, but he did no, retract. He, 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 man, don't you remember when Shannon Sharp didn't show up to work, and then he, he did the whole thing. He prepared the speech, and then he tried to. He was like, "Ah, you said you weren't going to do that." It was bad. It was really bad. And yeah, anyways, skip. Skip is a figurehead now. It's done. It's ever since Demar Hamlin, he's done. Like all, it's all the other guys on the show that basically take over, and he just sits there and he tries to get a word in, but it's not the same. Um, okay, so where were we? Uh, Mad Dog Russo, yeah. one of the greatest of all time. He vows. Well, let's just. Do we have the audio? So here he is on his show, High Heat, before Game Six of the. Phillies Diamondback series. Uh, to make a long story short, I've been wrong in Arizona from day one. I, I, a, I'm stunned to beat Milwaukee. I thought they'd get swept by the Dodgers. I never thought they'd even go back to Philly for a game six. Uh, I'll try it one more time. I would not be stunned if they won tonight. I would be floored. Floored. And I'll say this right now. Just to, I'll say this right now. And Bob Raceman, write it down. If they win the next two days, they win the next two games. And win this series in seven games. If they win, I will. I will retire on the spot. 
Okay. So turns out mad dog makes millions of dollars <laughs> and so yeah. when he said on the spot he meant i i won't retire at all yeah. i'm not gonna do this which is fine but it was awesome toward uh, lavello he he's just using it he's telling him to retire he's looking forward to him retiring the diamondbacks were celebrating it in their clubhouse they clearly used it as ammunition it was it was great it was true bulletin board material um he went on howard stern and he's negotiated this as his actual punishment you have it cleaned up okay roll it you would gotta do something that the audience says i'm being serious now because you made a statement i'm gonna retire how about this you come on my show i'll come into manhattan for this we put you in a bikini all right and you walk down the street with a sign that says i'm a if you do that people say okay it's all right, man. That's, that's a that's a little more reasonable. Uh, that I know. one, that that is a little fair. That's a little fair. fair. Anyway, yeah, that they, one would. Uh, anyway, they he uh, he negotiated it down to I'm a liar and a dope. Or yeah, I think that was it, right? Liar and a dope, because he didn't want to have the word douche, so he went with liar and a dope. Yeah, and it was. <sighs> He sounds really rattled. He sounds like really embarrassed, right? He does, to me. Anyway, in that interview with Stern, he sounds just completely overwhelmed down in the dumps. My question to you is, should he be or is this a win for Mad Dog? Oh, one, he should not be. And okay. two, like, obviously, it's the winniest win that ever won. Okay, like, the winniest win. Okay, now I have to take the other side because okay. I wasn't going to be on that, but now yeah, I Yeah, no, he he won because we're talking about him on, like, I, listen, we're not competitors to Mad Dog Russo, no. but how many radio shows that, yeah, he would consider our competitors are uttering his name, or it's part of the zeitgeist. It's part of the larger sporting conversation. That's a win. No, no, no matter what the conversation is about, that is 100% a win. What I suggested he should have done was continue to build. I would have gone radio silent for at least a day. To let people wonder. Like, because obviously he was never actually going to retire. Mm -hmm. But I would have just... I would have allowed people's imaginations to to fill the void for at least a day. You can't do it for too long because people's attention spans are so short mm -hmm. that, yeah, they're like, oh, the Russo thing, I forgot about it already. But one day, mm -hmm. he should have just said nothing mm -hmm. and had maybe leaked some some news stories to people, maybe had people talk around him and then come back on and then beg for forgiveness. Like, had Tori... <laughs> for, yeah, would have had Tori Lovello on... And like beg for, no, see, I for forgiveness from, from Tori Lovello. Okay, so it's it's clearly a win from this standpoint. It's like he he's was on WFAN, I think, for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And he's been so his his media career at this point, I think, is 35 years. Yeah. I think it's a 35 or 36 year media career that he's had, and he still remains extremely relevant. After a time where, let's let's be clear, it, it's been great. I, I've always been a fan of his. I really am. He's been on the show multiple times. I, every time he's on, I feel like, wow, this is yeah. this is how you, like, you are one of the greats. You know, like, same thing. You listen to that clip of Howard Stern and you just say, this is just effortlessly great, uh -huh. right? And Mad Dog has that level of just knowledge and passion and energy and the voice, all of it. He's the Hall of Famer for a reason. But for a while, it just felt like, okay, the SiriusXM thing, I didn't particularly listen to it. You would see him on MLB Network, but it felt more like background TV than something I was actually going to. Now he gets on the show. He starts to do the hot take stuff. He is 
right in the middle of the media eye. For yes. you to be with the World Series and you're being referenced when you're 65, yes. when you're 65 years old of course. and you've got a 35, 36-year media career is incredible. It's incredible, truly, that you're going on Howard Stern mm-hmm. and you're having a discussion of what your punishment should be. I think he screwed up going on Stern. I will say this. Yeah. The, the bikini with the loser dope thing is not a good look for him. No. To me, this is where he should have taken a page out of the Skip Bayless book. This is where he really should have sold. He should have just gone like full wrestling heel. I'm not retiring. I'm not leaving. He should have showed up at the World Series. He should have been in the first scrum with Lavello and just been like, you guys really think you're going to win? You got this far? <laughs> and just double down on the bit. Be like, yeah, they're definitely not. Yeah, they may have won this and not yeah. embarrassed, but I'm doing. And, and I get it. But it's like no one cares about the word ultimately like sure the internet's gonna have some of this i saw portnoy from barstool was like this is bs he's got to quit he's got to quit i was like man of of all people like you who does but he's doing his own work right so like that's sure yeah I'm just saying that the the performative guy saying that the performative guy should... But he's doing a performative thing. Yeah, I guess. It's just just, all too much. It's seven layers of This would have gone away and this would have done... But the bikini thing is actually a mistake. Yeah, because now he's on on record twice when he doesn't do that. That's what I'm saying. Why would you go? He should have gone radio silent, man. He should have just disappeared for a bit. Because the bikini thing, I'll say this. Like, his son is a Div 2 or Div 1 basketball coach. I didn't know that. Yeah. You can't have your dad, your 65-year-old dad in a bikini no. wearing an I'm a dope. That's, that's super. It's also that, October. No, but here's the thing. You are a Hall of Famer, and I know what we do. Me? No, not you. You'll never be. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. Burlington Hall of Famer? He's a Hall of Famer. No. You, Next you, to Eric Smith? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're not. You have no chance. <laughs> We've gone over this okay. many times. I'm so frustrated that you even <laughs> thought that you could be that. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. I know that. Sometimes this business takes itself too seriously. Sometimes it takes it a little bit too uh, too much in the other direction because, yeah, a lot of people work hard at this job and yes. it does take skill and it takes a lot of effort and energy if but you want to be great at it. it's the entertainment business. It is the entertainment business, but I think that if he wears a bikini and a sign that says dope, mm-hmm. that that's kind of there forever. That's but I just think it diminishes those. his brand. That's what I'm saying. I don't like it for him. Yeah. I like everything up to this. I thought yes. it was all great. And then yes. I heard him on Stern and then he said, that's fair, that's fair, I'm not going to And then he said, you have to do something big, otherwise people are going to say that you are back on your word. And it's it just, to me, this is... He's really stepped in it now. The Howard Stern thing. When has Howard Stern ever looked out for someone's best interest, right? It's just, why would no. you go there? Also, I like, again, I love Howard Stern, but to have this be the arbiter of something that was going on in sports was a strange one too. I, I don't get it. Well, he's just looking for more exposure, right? Like yeah. there's no better place in radio to get exposure can't have a than 65 the king year old, of radio. Can't have a 65-year-old man in a bikini. No, I agree in, with you. Yeah, it's just, this is a nightmare for him. No, the, the best tact, I was thinking about, yeah, the route you were uh, proposing that he just goes full Double on. Double down. Who cares? Hating. Yeah. I mean, the best route to do that. And you he hated for a while. You, the way you can't. come around. You can't do this because you work for MLB Network, which is such a it's a confusing part of all this is mm-hmm. I would be like 
Yeah, like they, they they shouldn't even be here. Like talk about the 84 wins. Talk about how fraudulent a team they are. Talk yeah. about how screwed up the MLB playoffs are. But you can't do that because this is the, the product your employer is trying to, to, to hawk. I guess. Um, either way, I just uh, that, that part of it is a disaster. Everything was good up until then. Then he yeah. just fumbled it. He was at, he was my Seahawks. He was right at the goal line. So it's like <laughs> hand it off to Marshawn. And he was like, I'm going to throw. And I went, no, don't throw it. to. He's yeah. like, Howard Stern is right. He's going to intercept it. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. Yeah, okay. Uh, so Gabriel Moreno uh, knocks in the game winning run the other night. Twitter is just every single time he does something. I, I told you what I already said on the show, which is there is certainly a faction of Blue Jays fans that are just rooting for this now. Like every single time it happens, they're like, see, this trade was bad. And you go, it's already bad. Yeah. It's been bad for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And no one cares about Dalton Varsho's defensive run saved. Right. Compared- did, you, did you see that Juan Soto is not being shot, but like the Padres are listening on Juan Soto? Sure would be nice to have a Gabriel Moreno to maybe put in the middle. Sure would, buddy. <laughs> My case, all, all I have to say for me, yeah. I get to sleep fine because I yeah, was the yeah. only one in Toronto media that mm. came out immediately and vociferously I mean, against that And you that hate trip. every Blue Jays move. No, Eventually you're going to be right. No, that's, uh, hey, listen. Can't I, confirm. Can't confirm. I, I was oh, then only- he hates every Blue Jays trade? Nope. I actually, that's not, that's not true. It's not true at all. It's really not true. I didn't like the two trades from this offseason. Yeah. I didn't like the Tay Oscar trade, and I didn't like the Varsho trade. Yeah, but the Tay Oscar trade, nobody liked. It was not. I know. It, it was always about, I know. I'm no. just, that's my point, is that I was the only one. There's, everyone was celebrating Dalton Varsho in the streets. Every uh-huh. one of the analytics nerds was like, oh, my God. I will. This is so re- incredible. All the control. I recall t- telling you before the yeah. season that this could go haywire if he doesn't perform offensively, you, you, which is, is a possibility considering. But the reason we had that conversation is because I was so against it. I was so against this trade because I thought, what a ridiculous use uh-huh. of one of the top prospects in all of baseball to go out and get a defensive corner outfielder who might be a bat. It was outrageous at the time. It was outrageous. People called me an idiot for it. People like Chris Who's, Black who were like, oh, oh you now know, we're gonna name yeah, names. of course I'll name names. Everybody took shots at me for this. Not they me. were like, oh, Gabriel Moreno doesn't have any power. He's a loser. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a Austin Martin <laughs> 2.0 situation. They're dumping him at the right time. And I said, I don't think so. I like Austin to catch Martin her. has no position and can't play defense. I, I always liked Gabriel Moreno and I thought that it was horrific asset management. I said, if that's the best you can do, you hold on to him. You wait. You hold on and you wait. Go back, run the tape. You won't find a single time that I ever came around on the Varsho trade. I believe you. I know that. I agree. So I don't need to celebrate it every single time it happens because, I, for, frankly, I don't like it. I wish Gabriel Moreno was a Toronto Blue Jay. I wish. That's big of you. Yeah, I do. I don't. Well, I, I, I don't. Here's what I would say. I think that there are some people that right now hate Shapiro and Atkins uh-huh. more than they love the Blue Jays. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I really believe that's a thing. I agree. But in reality, I was thinking about this going, all right. Well, there's two things. There's one that's funny is, do you think that those two guys are together and they ever are just like, like they watch that base hit and Atkins is like, damn it. <laughs> you know, like he's fed up with not? it. Well, because they present themselves as so emotionless at times to the no, fan base. I, 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 even no, when they were get, melting down. Listen, with there's Rios lots and, of, uh, there's a lot of uh, industries they could be in where they make similar money and especially the pedigree that they've got. They, mm-hmm. Like, I know this is going to sound like a defender of the, like you don't, it's different being an owner. When you're an executive in sports, yeah, you gotta love sports. They love baseball. I can guarantee you those guys love watching baseball games and are still passionate about it. And but I'm if, saying, but I'm saying, do you think that because they've done the they whole hate like watch somebody no, else? That, that they're like, hey, we've done they, Shapiro went up there and was like, it takes five years. It's still and he goes, it's still a good trade, it's still a good trade. Mm. Do you think that they've ever had like it's probably so serious that they can't even joke about it whatsoever, right? Between the two of them. Like I thought 
you know, who, he, he hits that game-winning base hit. Yeah. And uh, I just thought it would be so funny if Shapiro texts Zach and like, way to go. <laughs> uh, you know, just yeah, yeah, cause, 11, cause that's what you 11 do. outs above uh, yeah. average, though, for Dalton Varsho last year in uh, left field. Yeah, no, it's great. You imagine you got to... <laughs> No, no offense. No offense to whoever's doing this, but you're oh. the most pathetic dork when you're <laughs> tweeting about defensive run saves with Varsho pointing out that he had 20 home runs. Like, it's just, it's yeah. so, so, so sad. Yeah. Um, Gabriel Moreno is unquestionably the truth, and he's shown up. And a great through, defender. But that's, so this is the thing. He, he makes that play the other night where you're like, damn, what a, just, what a player. Yeah. So clearly there's something Varsho can do to become the winner of this trade, right? If Varsho, if Varsho was next year, he showed up and he was incredible. And Gabriel Moreno, the rest of his career, like Lourdes leaves, right? Lourdes leaves and they only get one season, even though it's like you could actually make the case right now that a Lourdes for Varsho trade was a loss for the Blue Jays, period. Just that alone. But whatever, we won't even do that. What would... Varsho have to do in your eyes for this trade to start to feel like it's leveling out because of the playoff stuff. Like this is the thing that feels yeah. lost to me is like people go, well, look at their regular seasons. It actually was the war was this and this. It's like, I don't care. The fact of the matter is they got to the playoffs mm -hmm. and this kid has shown zero fear mm -hmm. whatsoever. He has been lights out. So he hit more home runs in the playoffs than he did the regular season. It's like fast approaching it. Well, like it's getting very He's got close. three home runs. Yeah, but he only hit seven during the regular yeah, season. So he doesn't have more in the playoffs than he has in the regular he season. He only have three, yeah. Yeah. But thought, yeah. yeah, he has three home runs. Yeah, seven during the regular season three. Yeah. So he's got almost half the number of home runs yeah. in the postseason that he had during the regular season. So, yeah, my question stands. What do you think Varsha would have to do? Is it just purely look the like a passable offensive player? Yeah. Like, would be a say, start. start. Would be a start. Overall, like, be an average offensive player. The like, Jays have to win a World Series with Dalton Varsho for it to work, and does he have to be, like, a cog in it? That's Because that's how I kind of feel about it. It's like they got to make one, and he's got to be one of their best three guys. I mean, it's so hard not to live in the moment right now. Uh, the Diamondbacks team did win 84 games this year, and, like, there's... Yeah, yeah and guess what? You know why? Because the games that Moreno didn't play, they lost. Yeah. All yeah. the games he played, they outpaced the Blue Jays' win total. Yeah, he was much better when he returned from the injury yeah. in the second half of the season, though, too. But, yeah, um, no, taking a step in the right direction offensively would be a good step in the, in the right direction. If they win a World Series, I don't know how it ever... Like, if they win a World Series in, in year one, it's not... Mm -hmm. It's such a different sport, and one player obviously can't impact a team to the degree at which Kawhi Leonard impacted no, but you the would 2019. Say that he's been one of the three most impactful guys on the team. In yeah, fact, he's you can in the make middle the case of the he's lineup. the number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you take everything into it. Like you, the, no, everything you don't into it. He's been the most. He's been the most impactful guy. You out don't of the, steal yeah. against the Diamondbacks. No. And, and not to mention, like he's come up. He just had another game-winning knock. He's yep. got the three home runs. Yep. He's in the middle lineup. Corbin no, Carroll. Corbin Carroll was great in that last game, but yep. before that he Not had good. been slow. Yep. It hadn't worked out. Christian Walker hadn't nope. been great. So it's like, yeah, no, he has Awful. been he has been the best player. And Guriel too. Like came <laughs> up some huge hits he, in that series yeah, as well. Between them, they had 15 in the CS. Between the two of those guys, yeah. I, or between all of these guys, I think Moreno has been the most impactful, most important piece of their entire team winning these games. Yeah. No, and if he wins a World Series, it's Gallon the Kawhi. Been meh. It's the Kawhi trade, except that you're not the Spurs that had. You're like, yeah, yeah. It, well, one Kawhi forced his way out of town, was never going to play another game with you, and also you were the most dominant fr uh, franchise in that general. Like you had a bunch of championships to mm -hmm. point to. The Blue Jays have none of that, and no. they handed over Kawhi Leonard. So yeah, it'll be that. He has more if, years of control than 
Dalton Varsho. Yes. As well, obviously. Yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't even play a full. That was his major league debut yeah. uh, a season ago when he showed up for the Blue Jays and didn't play a whole season. So yeah, obviously. Yeah, I just, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is what is this playoff run worth? For the Blue Jays? No, for the, the evaluating the trade. Because I feel like some people are trying to dismiss it completely out of hand where they're like, hey, this is not like... No, this is the way we evaluate North American pro part. sports. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, I'm, I, I don't think it's fair necessarily. Mm-hmm. I do think it diminishes what I thought was one of the best things about baseball is that you play so many games over such a long period mm-hmm. of time that it, and it only the, the best teams make the playoffs, that it was the smaller field, and now it's just, like, not that. As much as we want to Yeah, it's wait hockey and, where the team got hot. Yeah, but even hockey, like, deserving teams have get through four rounds of the postseason, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. – like, we don't even have seven-game – like, seven-game series, you have to use four starters. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a more representative – like, if you had – three postseason series that were seven game series. I could, you could sell me on it a little bit more like three games, mm-hmm. man, the, the A's swept the, the Astros like a couple of times in three game series in, in September. Yeah, I get that. I would just say that again, D backs without Moreno this year, 23 and 28 with 61 and 50. Uh, if they would have had more Moreno, then we wouldn't have had to worry about the whole 84 game. No, thing. but it's, I, I agree with you that this is, Hey, if we're going to, uh, slag on Vlad and Bo for their combined lack of production in the very limited, but mm-hmm. six games of postseason experience. Yeah. Yeah. They, he has that in his back pocket. Now he has the equity of being a playoff performer. Yeah. I, I genuinely believe the only conversation that the Jays could have for player for player from Reno now is Boba Shed. I think if they offered Vladdy for him, it oh, would be an automatic yeah. immediate. No. And in fact, it, it wouldn't, even, I, every single baseball person that I texted and asked this to was, it would be an absolute immediate. No for the, the Diamondbacks. And then people kind of kicked back the bow answer. And yeah. some people that I asked were like, yeah, you probably still have to do, you probably still have to do it if you're the Jays, though. You probably still have to take back Moreno. So anyway, just something to consider. Um, anyway, uh, it sucks. It's hell. But you can get it at plus 1,900 from the World, World Series MVP, which I actually thought was a pretty damn good price. Anyway, yeah. uh, quick break. Let's come back. Um, how are we feeling in Buffalo Bills land? Nate Geary, next. I had Ariel Helwani on last week. Talked to him about how, dude, this is a good thing for you. You got to knock your Buffalo Bills fandom down a peg. You got too high. And as a Leaf fan, I can relate to If you're part of a tortured fan base, you can't get overly confident before you win. It's just, we saw with the Browns fans after their one Baker Mayfield playoff. And what did I say to all the Browns fans? You got you to gotta chill out. You got to chill out. And they paid the price. And now you got Deshaun Watson. Because everybody freaked out and you got way too horny for your team. He stunk. And Bills fans went through this. Last year, they were like, we're the team of destiny. We pushed the Kansas City Chiefs. We were close. They changed the overtime rule for you guys because you cried about it. It's fine. But now I told Ariel, hey, you're in the right spot. People are starting to believe in you less. You know, Bill Simmons did a preview podcast where he didn't even pick you guys for the playoffs. This is where you want to be. Is the expectations lower? People start to doubt you. You get to turn the nobody believes in us factor on and you go potentially win a Super Bowl. So I've watched every Bills game, beginning on the Bills this year. You know my love of Josh Allen, but I'm prepping for this thing. And I, you know, I read an all 22 article on The Athletic and I go back and I watch some highlights. And of course, I go to our next guest's Twitter page, right? Because I got to see what the person that I'm interviewing is talking about. And it's been a while since I've gotten a chat with Nate Gary, you know, pre and post game host for the Bills on WGR. 
and I see his Twitter, and it is a nightmare. <laughs> it, is a, it is a nightmare. It is a back and forth of you versus the world on whose fault all of this is. What does Dorsey own in all of it? How much is Allen to blame? How much is it the offense falling behind? How much is it the defense to blame? So, Nate, um, is your Twitter an accurate description of where Buffalo Bills fans are right now? Because if so, this is a problem. It's sort of, I, I guess my Twitter is sort of like that Game of Thrones gif where the guy's like pulling the sword from the sheath and like kind of just getting ready to fight one-on-one yeah. million. That's, yeah. that's, that's kind of yeah. uh, what, my, um, what my Twitter has been the last couple of days. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of discourse about what it is that's wrong with the Bills right now. They're four and three. Um, I think you have a good portion of the fan base that, won't ever place blame on Josh Allen and Mm -hmm. it's everyone else's fault. And I think there's a good portion of the fan base uh, that will always blame the defense because Sean McDermott's a defensive head coach Mm -hmm. and there's a certain expectation, whether your best players are playing or not, is that this defense should always be top five, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's probably something in the middle that's closer to being right. But um it is, it's unique that they're in the position they're in and there doesn't seem to be one, uh, for lack of a better word, donkey to, uh, to blame this whole thing on. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think with that, there's just a lot of back and forth about who's to blame, how do we fix it? And, uh, what's the rest of the season look which, like? Which is normal. I, I will say this. I was reflecting on the Josh Allen stuff. Cause I think you're bang on there to me. Part of the Allen thing is everyone doubted him to start his career, or so many people did, right? And if you were on the Josh Allen, there were just very, very few guys, right? Like I remember uh, having Carson Palmer on my show after the the first season where the accuracy issues were so great, right? And him going, I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about this. I think he's going to be great. And I went, yeah, you're Jordan Palmer's brother. He's working with him. Of course, this is your position. And then it turns out, right, he exceeds not just expectations. He blows the expectations out of the water. He becomes a quarterback that in a lot of ways we haven't seen before where the accuracy issues go from being so big to one of the best quarterbacks, maybe, you know, someone that we were genuinely debating him or Mahomes a, a season ago when those two players yeah. faced each other, right? And, and I thought it was a legitimate discussion, especially when you took into Josh Allen's physicality. But where we got to it was he got so over-criticized to start that I think some people are afraid to criticize him now. It's always tough with a fan base when you do have one of the special quarterbacks. And I went through this as a Seahawks fan with Russell Wilson. People did the same thing where it couldn't be Russ's fault for a while because you're seeing the quarterback play. When they elevate, you go, well, no one's impacting the team more than this. But then to me, the, the last part of it is, and the, and the more rational part is, when I look at this argument about Josh Allen, it's, Okay, so we all agreed that he was doing too much. And everyone around the Bills and uh, basically every respectable analyst, every respectable football fan, whatever the hell, they, we all sort of came to this conclusion of, hey, it's great that he can put the cape on, but it feels like he's putting the cape on too much. And what I find a little odd about this season so far is it just feels like they're trying to figure out how much is too much and how little is yeah. too little. Yeah, they're trying to find a formula that doesn't require him to be the entire team, the entire offense, the reason they win. And I think they're going through some some turbulence in that sort of in, in that journey to finding, I, I think, a more sustainable way for them to be good with Josh Allen at, at quarterback. And the problem is 
in, in these sorts of windows, I, I think you can try to do that when you're facing, you know, the 28th part of schedule in the league. The problem is you can't afford to lose those games when the schedule turns into the most difficult schedule in the league for the rest of the way, which is what the Bills are going to be facing. You kind of needed to stack wins against a one in five Patriots team. You needed to win in London. You needed to beat a, a frankly, a, a bad Jets team that had a, you know, a moment where they lost their franchise quarterback that they paid for in three plays. Like those are the sorts of games that you sort of need to win um, to give yourself the runway required to, you know, lose a game against the Chiefs, lose a game against a good Eagles team. So um, that margin for error uh, no longer exists. Uh, for this team the rest of the way. So, you know, I think you're with, with the injury to Dawson Knox, you're going to see this team move back to 11 personnel, which is what they've been a team that runs three receivers on the field. Uh, just about every play. That is what they've been throughout Josh Allen's career. They draft Dalton Kincaid and re-sign Dawson Knox. And now they're trying to run 12 personnel, two tight ends, one running back more than anybody in football. Um, and it's helped in the running game. Um, you mentioned how, you know, Carson Palmer talked about how this, he wasn't really worried about an inaccurate Josh Allen. And now you're looking at Josh Allen who leads the league in completion percentage. It's not just a monumental turnaround in terms of a player that wasn't that good in college. And now was great. This was a player that was a, you know, high fifties, low sixties uh, in completion percentage It is now over 70%. Uh, in throwing the football. And and I want to maintain that I didn't care that he was a 58% completion percentage guy coming into the league. I can't change path now and say I care that he's a 71% guy because the 58% guy took some more chances. Um, you know, I think put, push the ball down the field. And we're not seeing that this year. And I think part of it is he threw a lot of interceptions last year. And I think that there's a little bit of a, a gun shy nature to what he is right now, because I think he's, a little nervous or scared of making mistakes. B, the offense has not schemed up very many deep shots. They schemed up one. It worked. Stephon Diggs was open and Josh Allen overthrew him, and they didn't go back to any of those deep shots. So this has turned into a very short passing game, um, and you're turning Josh Allen into Justin Herbert, and everybody's waiting for the Chargers to unleash Justin Herbert and have him throw the football down the field with his unbelievable arm. And I'm wondering why the Bills would look at that and then think that they need to be more like the, the chargers of the last couple of years with Joe Lombardi as our, as our offensive coordinator. So I, I think there's a lot to this, but I think there, there's a level of trying to find a path to sustainability for Josh Allen for the future. You don't want 30 year old Josh Allen running over linebackers or trying to hurdle corner wrecks. The problem is, is he's 26 or 27 right now. And he's still in the prime of his career and they haven't won anything. So I think for me, it's like, I can't think about what the future holds, what the type of quarterback Josh Allen has to be at the age of 32 when he's 26 and still capable of those things. I, I need them to win a Super Bowl, um, and I need all hands on deck. I need Josh Allen to be whatever version of himself um, gives them the best chance to win. So that's right. And, and, and this is the tough place that you're in as a, a fan base, I think, which is now you're starting to feel the pressure, right, is – holy crap, you've hit on a quarterback. There's a little while where you're just celebrating the hell out of that. And all of a sudden, yeah, close losses to Kansas City feel kind of fine. Then it, it gets to this phase where you even take a step back in the regular season and people start to really fret about losing that window of opportunity with a clear top three talent in your league, right? And so to me, like the outsider's view with the Allen stuff is exactly what you're talking about in the sense of not enough shots downfield, not a little bit too much conservative play calling, probably didn't help Allen that the first game of the year was that many turnovers against the Jets where he's sitting at the podium going same old, you know, and yeah. feeling all the, the weight of, hey, Josh Allen, the turnover machine to start the season. 
But the big one for me is trying to figure out what's the right amount of running for Josh Allen. And this is where I would would say I'm optimistic as a Bills fan is like, I'm okay seeing him in the regular season. Because I I think I saw the other day, I might have even seen it on your Twitter where you retweeted maybe a graph. I, I, I don't know if it was in the article or where I saw it, but that he's down over 20 yards per game rushing right now. Like he is way, 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 way down. And... To me, if I'm saying this is okay for the long run, I just need to know that this offense is going to be able to scheme up some of those runs or be able to use Josh Allen's legs properly when the chips are really, really down in the big games. This is the hard part about the conversation and requires a little bit of critical thinking, right? Mm. I think everybody left last year and said, you know, we'd like to see less Josh Allen designed runs. We'd like to see more sustainability from the offense. We'd like to see them use a traditional running game. Well, you get to this year, and and here's the other one, right? You also want to see Josh Allen not turn the football over as much. Mm -hmm. So there is, I think, a part of the fan base that wanted those things and then has sort of gotten those things and hasn't really loved the return. And you can believe two things. You can say, okay, well, I, I didn't want the extreme of this. I didn't want to completely remove it. I just wanted to reduce the amount of times Josh Allen is running and trying to hurdle people. And I wanted to reduce the amount of times Josh Allen is arm punting 60 yards down the field into triple coverage. I think you can be in the pool that wanted less of that, but didn't want to completely remove it from the offense, from his game. Um, it, it, somebody called in on week one after that Jets loss uh, when I was doing post game and basically said, it sort of feels like it's a driver's ed teacher driving a Ferrari and it kind of do feel that way because it feels like you're, you're putting a governor on your quarterback on your, on your race vehicle. And you can tell, it's almost like you can see sort of the frustration in Josh because it's like he, he almost doesn't know what to do to be the most successful when it feels like we've already seen what is required to be the most successful. And listen, I, I think it goes back to this sustainability argument of, wanting Josh to play football for a long time at a high level. He's got an unbelievable, maybe the best arm in football. Um, But again, I I think Josh can go, Josh can play till he's 38 years old if he wants it. If he never wins a Super Bowl in Buffalo, um, we'll talk about him being one of the best quarterbacks ever played and not win a Super Bowl. And I think for me, you have to be able to thread the needle between I want to make sure Josh is protected and he doesn't put his body in, 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 in harm's way, but also recognize that most quarterback injuries, dude, come from the pocket. Like Mm -hmm. every single injury that Josh Allen has sustained in his career has come from the pocket. It has not come from hurdling defenders. It has not come from trying to run over, you know, linebackers. Um, And that is how most of the league is when quarterbacks get hurt and happens from the pocket. There are studies upon studies that prove that to be the case. So for me, they've done a good job surrounding Josh. They have right now. um, I think it's through whatever, seven weeks right now between pro football focus grades ESPN sports information science. The bills have the best pass protection, number one pass blocking unit in the league right now. They have protected him better than he's ever been protected in his league and in, 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 in his, his entire career. They have given him an actual running game that is effective with James Cook and Latavius Murray. And they gave him another t- weapon at tight end. And yet it seems harder. It almost just doesn't make sense. So that's why I think to me, they've got to sort of get back to, Hey, when it's, you know, third and one or, you know, third and five, throw up one of those design quarterback runs where you get that 10th lead blocker and you get some advantages in the numbers game. So, again, I, I think it's wanting 
maybe less from Josh, but also not removing all of that stuff that he does so well completely from the plate. Yeah, it, this reminds me, though, a little bit of what the Ravens went through before last week, which is everyone saying, hey, what's up with this team? How long till we start to see the offensive changes? And, and it's different because it's, it's not a new offensive coordinator, right? It's Ken Dorsey. Right. So you're expecting this, but I, I do think that that mandate of get rid of some of these runs was pretty clear, just like they were with Lamar Jackson, right? Hey, get rid of some of these Lamar runs. We want to turn some of these into plays. Some of it have the scrambles, but yeah, I feel like Allen needs to feel a bit more empowered to take off with it. Maybe try to take some of that risk because yeah, he was at, yeah, that's his, it was 26 and a half yards per game rushing this season. He was at 47 and, uh, and a half last year. So it's like, it's a pretty big discrepancy. The other one though is, this one feels like a familiar Bills problem to me, which is like, yeah, the running game's been good. I still wish they would have had more of a, a physical back. Like when I look at the trade deadline, I just, I keep thinking over and over how perfect Saquon would be for them. I know that's the case for a lot of teams, but just, I, I'd love to see another identity player in the offense. And if we're talking about things with the Bills where it's like Allen in the Superman cape, it, it always feels that way with the passing attack right now is, hey, it's digs, it's digs, it's digs, it's a big play to digs. And yeah. then there's these couple of games a year where Gabe Davis ha- is awesome, right? He makes a couple of plays, he's downfield, and he, yeah, he comes up with maybe the two touchdown games just like he did against the Chiefs. And we feel like, oh, that's when the offense looks the best. But I, even with the injuries to the defense, kind of feels like, now, now is the time for Buffalo to go out and make sure that they address that position. They need to go get another skill player that does something in this offense. You feel the same way or is, to you, is it defense primarily? Well, the problem is right now, and I think if you, if you look at where a lot of people's heads are, is the last couple of weeks, the last two weeks after Matt Milano and Daquan Jones go out, mm-hmm. a lot of the blame has been placed in the defense. And you know, last week they gave up 29 points to a team with the second lowest total point output of the season in the New England Patriots. They had 72 points going into that game or 12 points per game average. Mm-hmm. They were playing some of the worst football in terms of offense in the league. The week before, the Bills held the worst team, the 30, 32nd team in total point output, 71 points a game, just under 12 points a game. In the New York Giants, they held them to nine points. And, you know, the Bills defense gave up 29, and that's true. Uh, the Bills scored seven points. I'm sorry, was it 10 points? 10 points in 53 minutes of that game. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the issue comes from that offense is completely healthy. Um, they have two all pro weapons at quarterback and wide receiver. They have the best pass protecting offensive line in football. To score 10 points in 53 minutes, seven points in 45 minutes against the Jaguars. And, you know, at, at, at a certain point, you, you just wonder, like, what's going on with this offense where three weeks in a row, they're not scoring until late in the game. In the case of the Jaguars game, the game's already over when they score their points late in the game to take the lead against the giants. And then the last offensive drive is when they take the lead against the Patriots. So I I think for me, this comes down to understanding what the identity of the offense is. And they are a passing team. The league is a passing league. So for me, if I'm looking at the bills and trying to figure out what the Bills should do at the, at the deadline is, Listen, I, I know what I know what they're facing defensively. They are not going to be able to be counted on to be the number five, number four, number three defense in the league going forward. They're going to have to try to outscore teams. So for me, if you're trying to outscore teams, what what is the move you make? To me, it's not really a Saquon Barkley or Derrick Henry. Um, the, the Bills have been sort of linked to basically any running back that could potentially be disgruntled and want to be traded or mm-hmm. be a free agent addition or a drafted running back. The Bills are always tied to all these people. They never, ever really are, are, are in the actual, you know, business of making a move for one. Yeah, for who me, was the running back they got it, last year? The, at the, and he was fine. Uh, 
It's like the yeah, pass Ni- catching back. They, they traded. Hines. Yeah, they traded for Naeem Hines, yeah. and then you know basically he played eleven offensive yeah. snaps yeah. the entire rest of the season. Yeah. So um, for me, it's DeAndre Hopkins, it's uh, Hunter Renfro, it's mm. um, you know uh, a, uh, the yeah right Thielen or or Moody um, um, or Mooney out of uh, the out of Chicago. So it's like mm. to me, go get another number two weapon. I Gabe Davis, simply put, is not a sustainably source number two wide receiver at times he's a number two receiver at times he's a number four and I think they need this year someone that can come in and really supplement downs and 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 subsidize some of the things they're doing with Stefan Diggs because it's not sustainable to throw the ball 16 times to him um and or I don't I think it was two weeks ago against the Giants and the Josh Allen's six that can earn the trust of Josh because I think right now Gabe just doesn't have the full trust of Josh Allen. And I kind of don't blame Josh. He doesn't do a good job consistently getting open. Yeah. Um, I I like Gabe Davis. I just don't think that what he is to them is good enough, especially given to to me, it's like, okay, they went out and got Kincaid and maybe this is the breakout game for him. It it actually kind of feels like this is a a really good spot for him. If you're a betting person, I would kind of be looking at some of his overs uh, tonight against the bucks, but it just it, the Knox Kincaid thing feels fine. It doesn't feel like Kincaid is a star. Like I haven't had that moment like with Laporta, where you go, "Damn, this guy is already an absolute beast." This guy already feels like a, just such an important piece of the offense. He still feels kind of like secondary. He's got a, a couple nice plays. Doesn't feel overly explosive. It's just it's fine so far. Diggs is the only thing where you go, "Damn, this is elite about the offense." And to the running back thing, I, I'm I'm with you more this year where I'd like to see them go get the pass catching option. But the the problem with me for the past with Allen in the run game and the whole there's too much reliance on it. It wasn't like maybe necessarily that he was running too much. It felt like he was the entire physicality of the run game. And it still feels yeah. that way with this team. It's like they've got Cook and am I really going to trust the old guys, Latavius Murray in in a really tight situation to be able to run the ball? He's it's it's like if you look at Philly their quarterback can run and he's a physical runner, but then they also have had physical backs that can actually make plays a little bit on their own and do represent more than it's just the hurts in the running, in the running game. I I wish we saw that more for Buffalo, but yeah, I'm with you. If if they're prioritizing, I think Thielen is perfect for them. Like I, I think that he would be awesome as just kind of the Cole Beasley plus guy, someone in the slot that works a lot of those like short to intermediary routes. And then that maybe helps open things up for Diggs and Davis over the top. Now Davis is kind of like the nine route or the deep threat that works a little bit more for me, but it feels like they are going to make a move, right? Cause the Dawkins contract got restructured. So they're going to take a yep. splash. They're going to do something. It just, it, it feels like, man, uh, and maybe we end on this. Actually, I do want to ask you about Sabres expectation, but yeah. What, what is the expectation right now for the deadline with the bills? Because yeah, normally the NFL deadline, like I know last year was pretty splashy with McCaffrey and there's a bunch of names that flew around, but normally it's kind of like it can pass us by with a defensive tackle being moved for a third round pick is the, the biggest move. Like what is the expectation right now in Buffalo? <clears throat> Uh, I think the expectation is for a move to be made. <clears throat> and I would tell you that this is a team that has not made a splash move in Brandon Bean's, um, you know, tenure here as, as, as the Bills general manager. Um, I, I don't think they're going to make a move that potentially forces them to, you know, mortgage the future. I think they're going to need a certain situation where a team's willing to eat some contract numbers. 
Um, and if that's the case, that means they're going to have to give up more <clears throat> in assets for them to eat money. So I would be willing to bet that if a move was made, they just signed uh, Eli Anku, uh, who was uh, on someone else's active roster. He was a, a uh, practice squad guy for the Bills. It would not surprise me if he was raised up for this game and started at defensive tackle for the Bills. Um, so I think for me, I wouldn't get your hopes up. The Bills are going to make some big splash move that, uh, mm. that propels them um, back to where they were before the injuries to Matt Milano and Daquan Jones. I think there's a quiet optimism that uh, Matt Milano and Daquan Jones will be back before the end of the season. Can they get to a place where they'll still be in a, in a playoff position? Um, I think is a fair concern um, for a lot of Bills fans right now. I think they need their Christian McCaffrey move. I think that this is the time for them to make that splash where they go. Yep. Nope. We're, we're moving in. We're, we're moving real assets in for a mega offensive piece so that we can capitalize on this and make sure that yes, there's just a little bit more pressure off of Diggs and Allen to make everything happen as the primaries of this team. Uh, all right, before you go, the Atlantic looks loaded to start the NHL season. I don't know how much time you get to watch your beloved savers, but yeah, how, like, what's the expectation there from the fan base this year? Cause it's a bit of a weird one. It is a weird one. However, what I'll tell you is yes, the Atlantic division does look loaded. I mean, it feels like it's always loaded. Right. Um, but what I'll tell you is, I'm not a real big believer that the Lightning are a long-term play. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think they're Same. old. I think uh, I think the Canadians are, aren't good and they're young. Um, I think the Sens um, have some pieces, but the Sabres went in there uh, last night or two nights ago and absolutely mm-hmm. walloped them. Um, so I think for me, listen, the Bruins are 6-0 and again. I, I don't really understand how the no. Bruins continue to just be the Bruins, and I think that party will eventually – come back down to earth like it did in the playoffs last year. But here's what I'll say about the Sabres is a a tough start to the season. I think they're still trying to find the best line combinations. They moved Tage Thompson away from that top line of, of Skinner and Tuck and it's unlocked Jeff Skinner's Skinner's got four goals or I'm sorry, it's like five goals in five games already, five goals in seven games. Um, They put Casey Middlestad on that first line with Alex Tuck, Alex Tuck going into the other night's game in Ottawa had one point through six games. He's, had a slow start to the season. Listen, if, if I'm being honest with you, I think that the Sabres are likely over the next couple of weeks, maybe month, going to be right in the sweepstakes for Patty Kane. I think there's a really good chance Patrick Kane ends up on the Sabres roster for one reason is they've got Zach Benson, their first-round pick from this year, playing, and he's on a nine-game tryout. I think eventually they want to move him back to junior and not activate that first year of his entry-level deal. And I think when you move Benson out, you could put Pat Kane in. And I think that could really unlock some offense for this team. Um, now, that's not me predicting it happens. I just think that, you know, you hear what Dreger says, and I know that he has a relationship with Kevin Adams, no, the GM that's played together happen. his rookie season. I think it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and I listen, the Sabres are, can, can score with anybody in the league. My question is, can Devin Levi and Eric Comrie and, you know, Uka Pekka in, in a three-way mm-hmm. goaltender battle stop enough pucks to keep them in games. And, and I think that's going to be something she got to watch over the next couple of weeks and months. But everyone here is ecstatic about where the direction of this franchise is going. They're young. They, mm-hmm. they're fun. They score five, six goals a game. Um, and I can tell you people here in Buffalo, all we were sick and tired of was losing five yeah. to one. If we can lose five, four people here in Buffalo, at least five tickets and go to game. I love that. And remember these times, because again, it's going to pivot you. This is a great time for the Sabres because they've got the shield of the bills, right? This, all this yeah, bills pressure. Right. So they just get to be kind of like the secondary fun viewing a uh, right underneath the undercard. Oh, this is fun. This is nice. Scoring some goals. Oh, no pressure. We've got time. We've got time. We've got time. I, 
I feel like that pivot point is coming for the Sabres, not this season, but next. Like, they're going to be one of the doorstep teams for the playoffs. And then next year, I, I, I anticipate, yeah, pressure is going to ramp up. They're going to have to start to figure these pieces out because, yeah, they've got quite a few, you know, younger studs that they want to be able to capitalize on too. Uh, Nate? Listen, they were, they were one point out of the playoffs yeah. last year. The team that made it over them went to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. No, so that's it. you just, you, you just got to get to the tournament, man. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I like them. I really like that Sabres team, uh, especially my boy, Dylan Cousins, UConn boy. Let's go. Uh, all right. right. Thank, thanks for making time, Nate. Appreciate it, buddy. My pleasure, buddy. Yep. See ya. Uh, Nate Geary, WGR 550. All right. So anyway, I've always been a Bills need to get a running back guy. Bills need to get a running back guy. I've, I, and I stand by this. I think that if, I, I think they should have done a better job of that this year. They did a, an okay job. I remember thinking at the beginning of the season, one of the first, the second game, I think, where it was Latavius Murray. I said, oh, I can't believe that's Latavius Murray. He's so old. And then Damian Harris. And I thought, that's not a bad combination with James Cook. And James Cook started the season red hot. Remember we had Fred Jackson on the show. If you're an everyday listener and you subscribe to this podcast, you're a sweet angel. I love you. Thank you. If you remember talking to Fred Jackson, it was, you know what? The running game's really going and the offense is cooking all of a sudden. And this is sort of the balance they needed. Now it feels like the Bills have overexerted themselves looking for that balance offensively. And I'm not trying to say the defense is blameless in this. If you're a Bills fan who's mad about the defense, I just, you've had some injuries there where the D looked awesome. It really did. It did look like it could be top five. And then you lose some just important players. You lose Milano, you lose Tredavious White. I don't have the same expectations of you. I'm trying. I still think that defense is going to be good. It's going to be good, not great. Vaughn Miller barely played last week. Seems to be a little bit aging out of that position. I love A.J. Epinesa. I think that he's a criminally underrated player. But to me, it's. I think that they do. This is their splash move time. The Niners did it last year when they went out and got McCaffrey. And, and I kind of feel like it should be a similar mindset with the Buffalo Bills right now. Inject some excitement in your fan base. Inject some excitement back in with your quarterback. Give your offensive coordinator a new toy that is basically telling him, yo, we want some more balance. We want some more runs. But we want our quarterback to feel happy. We want our quarterback to feel like there's someone out there that someone else on this team that he can rely on other than Diggs when the chips are down. And that's actually why I, this doesn't, this isn't McCaffrey in terms of level of splash, but the guy I like is Thielen just because Thielen is the kind of pro that I feel like you can just go get. And he's an automatic stud in the slot. Look at the, if you, uh, nobody watched this game other than Seahawks fans, but when Andy Dalton had to step in against the Seahawks with Carolina, He's just all of a sudden Thielen is getting route, 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 route. He makes things happen. It was a bit of an underrated signing, I thought, that he went to Carolina, that they added him. And when everyone talks about how Bryce Young doesn't have any weapons, I, I say, yeah, that's partially true. The offense isn't perfect. It's not spectacular. But Thielen still looks good. I think he's 33 years old. He's a little old. He's a little long in the tooth. But I still just like the idea of dropping Thielen into that offense as a bigger Cole Beasley a guy who can work the slot, work underneath routes, draw some attention from those other wide receivers and take some pressure off digs just to be the super duper star on every single third down. And yeah, when I think about the bills at their very best with Josh Allen over these last couple of years, it has been when it's digs, but then the Cole Beasley dump off. Oh, Cole Beasley got open again. Cole Beasley got open and they keep trying to do that with the tight ends, but Knox is whatever. And he's hurt now. 
And Kincaid doesn't look ready to be that guy. And Gabe Davis is fine, but I, I want to have Gabe Davis be the, the gravy player for the Buffalo Bills. The, hey, when he has a big game, they look completely unstoppable player. I don't want him to have to be the number two in the offense. I want him to be the number three and ideally the number four. I'm not too concerned about the Josh Allen running thing because I think when the chips are down, he's going to break out the legs a little bit more. They're trying something new. It feels, like I said, a little bit like the Ravens where they're trying to conserve Lamar. They're trying to conserve... It, this is the newer, this is an NFL's form of load management, essentially, with these guys is, hey, we don't want you to run as many times. We don't want to do as many design runs. And those stats about the pocket that Nate referenced, they might be true. But, hey, let's just not have you taking the unnecessary hits early on in the season when we have Super Bowl expectations. If we're the best team at protecting from the pocket, let's have you throw from the pocket a few more times this season. But, yeah, I think that that search for balance has led them to a place where, They've lost a little bit of their identity offensively. They've lost a little bit of that. Yo, you're actually the the Josh Allen team. So get back to that with a, a nice move at the deadline. Go get a Thielen. Go get a Hopkins. That's a guy I like for them too, even though I don't know. He feels, it's hard to tell with your team. Mackie is like what he's got left, but go get one of those two guys. Go get a vet who can play. Uh, go get a vet who can make a big play on that third and five that he just referenced. Get that third and five, get that third and six, and give me somebody where you feel like it's not just Diggs who's going to get open. Anyways, that's... Uh, so I, I ultimately think the Bills are going to absolutely crush this Bucks team tonight. Oh, you like the Bills minus eight and a half? That's actually... I kind of do. Like, if I had to pick, I would probably do that. But it would be a lean, not a, a pick. I just think that this is going to be a bit of a get-right game for them. And what I saw from the Bucks last week is that they had an opportunity at home to beat a pretty flawed Falcons team that turned the ball over multiple times, had a fumble, had a touchback fumble, had Ritter just doing everything he could to give the game away, and Baker still couldn't find a way. Baker still just couldn't make it happen. So I just think that I think the Bucs are going to be one of those teams this year that every once in a while plays up their competition. Every once in a while, they, they have a decent game. I don't think this is the spot for them on a short week right after losing a divisional game, being at home, going to face this Buffalo team that everybody's been talking down on now for weeks. Everyone thinks is overhyped. And if you're Buffalo too and you're these players, and we know this because players are on the record about this all the time, these guys, they, they know it's trade deadline time. You don't think Josh Allen wants another piece? Put pressure on your front office to do that with a big win tonight. Get right and have everything cool off a little bit in Buffalo land. Let Nate's Twitter feed chill out just a touch. Anyways, let's take a break and hit what we missed. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, so we already hit on the bills for tonight. I already talked about women Yama. <laughs> World Series is until tomorrow. What did we miss? So yesterday, the NBA announced that the All-Star game is going back to East versus West. There'll be no draft. The top vote-getters from each conference will be the captains. That untimed fourth quarter is now out the window. It's back to just 48 minutes, standard basketball game. What do you think of the change? I like East versus West. So do I. I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> no, it's just like, who cares? Uh I thought it was weird when it was like Team LeBron versus Team Giannis yeah. over Team East versus West. It just it it's just better to have it 
as the conference is. I'm sorry. It's just nice. And I, I, the difference is, is when I was a kid and for a lot of people listening to this is you watched your conference. Like you really did. You watched your conference and now you watch so much of all of these guys. You're so aware of all of them that it's not even like the all-star game used to be really special where you'd go, right. holy crap, my guys are going to play with those guys and we get a real look at them. It's just different. It's just a different time. So now the all-star game is just, it's not so much of a showcase yeah. anymore. So of East West. So I get why they tried the LeBron versus Giannis thing. Also the draft was actually a good idea mm. to create some conversation around the league. Yeah. But it's just pretty clear that the players are too, like too f- cool for it. Too friends. Yeah, that's it. I didn't want to say soft because it's not soft. <laughs> it's just they're too lame for it. They just, they won't, they don't want to really play the game this way. They don't like the drama and so whoever's getting picked last, they don't like that. And yeah. it well, feels like automatically pick the teammates first, which again, fair, but it's, you what know. part of this too is that we do live in the social media era and I get it because there's times where I make the same cost benefit analysis in my life where I go, is this really worth the annoyance I'm going to feel on social media? And I think anybody that anybody that puts himself out there on socials knows that, Hey, especially like Twitter, whatever, it's just the conversations yeah. that'll happen. They can wear on you a little bit. Yeah. And so I can see how these guys just go, we don't need the added stress. But yeah, in in practice, this could have been really great. Right. If every single year this was actually no holds bar, the guys didn't care about the politicking. They just said, hey, this is an all-star game. This is why we're picking the guys. Yeah. We don't care who's last. And whoever got picked last still could actually have the perspective of, I'm an NBA all-star being yeah. picked last. <laughs> I'm in the all-star yeah, game. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a kid standing in front of my fourth grade class, shivering, hoping not to be the last pick <laughs> as I go limp limp over and pick up the baseball bat. And they're so like, trying to pump we'll you up. Him. Like, don't worry, Chris. We, we've always wanted to, like, knowing that you're going to meet the expectations of the last pick, that you're not <laughs> going to supersede them, exceed them. I do have one more question about the All-Star game. Sure, what? Do you want them to go back to wearing just their team jerseys, uh, no, the color jerseys like versus, the dark, uh, versus the white? No, I, I like, I, I don't care either way. This is your department. Whatever, it, it whatever you want, Joe. Whatever I you just want. The, my favorite jerseys you know. of all time are the Arizona ones, the purple West versus East, the white mm, for the yeah. East, the purple for the West, the ones that they had in Phoenix in yeah. the 90s. Those mid-90s. Yeah, those are the best ones to me. I really think that, did they unveil it? Because they look, they show at least an unveiling of kind of the logos of East-West. Yeah, there's no jerseys yet. Yeah, but the the just, it looks clean. Because there was a really, mm-hmm. there was a really good one, I want to say around like 2016, the red and the whites. It uh, was like the, was that the Toronto one? The Toronto one. Those were, that was yeah, Kobe's the, last yeah, game. Yeah, those were really clean yeah, too. I really the red versus those. the blue. Yeah, and then those there's are the, nice. And there's the photo of LeBron and Kobe, and then Drake yeah. is just standing. I, just, in the I, I like having an All Star jersey. I think that that's a that's a good one to have. It's I a, agree. It's a nice that's a nice uniform. So yeah, have it be nice, clean like that. Bring it back. I don't really care so much, but I'm talking about these 1995 ones in Phoenix with their purple yeah. and the cactus. Yeah. There's the purple and teal. The purple, purple and teal and white. That's a wild jersey. That's the best ones. Those, are the best those ones. with MJ on the back. No, that yeah, that's that's the best jersey. Yeah, unquestionably. There's yeah. been a couple of really good ones though. Yeah, yeah, there are. Yeah, but that's the best. That's the best ones. But yeah, my favorite ones are actually the Toronto ones in terms of modern day. The 2016, 2016. They just looked awesome. And yeah. then those ones. What do you say it is? Ninety five. Ninety five. Phoenix. Yeah. 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 I, this is Alex Wong's department. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's I can, I can remember what they look like. I just can't remember the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this comes from Mark Spears. Joe Lacob. Oh, well, then, sorry, one one last thing is the oh. ultimate classic is the 1985. 
I, I, the ultimate classic just, yeah. 1985 is the number one is the number one. Mm. 85, 95, 2016. Oh yeah. That's the ranking of the best ones that they've ever had. So mm-hmm. when it says NBA all-star yes, on yes, it, the yes, number that's stars. The best one. That's a, by far the best one. It's actually not even close. That's <laughs> the best one. And anything else is, yeah. yeah. Keep it to yourself. But those are the best three. <laughs> I just couldn't remember what year it was with the MJ bird. Anyway, so 85, 85, 85, 85 95, 2016. Mm-hmm. What's next? Kevin Durant was yeah. in the news this week. Joe mm-hmm. Laker was asked about uh, Durant's tenure with the Warriors because obviously he made his return to Golden State this week. And yeah. he said that no other player will ever wear number 35 for the Warriors again. And Mark Spears asked Durant about it. Mm-hmm. And he says he should, in reference to him retiring it. Look at the resume. That would warn me mm-hmm. to get a jersey retirement, right? Mm-hmm. Did KD do enough with the Warriors to win? Like, he was only there for three years. And I know he won two championships, but where where do you fall in how long a player has to be in a city before they get their jersey retired? Because I know that was a hot topic this week of like, oh, he's only there for three seasons. But then again, he was the best player on two championship teams and led them to the third finals, which unfortunately got injured. But where do you fall in that hole? He's obviously should be retired by the French. Mm, This is a no-brainer. I can't even believe that this is even a discussion. People freaking out about this. Like it was a big. I saw it everywhere. Big discussion. This might might be one of the. I said that the Leafs were dumb the other night for taking so long for that challenge. Right? It's like Ovechkin Ovechkin dove into your goaltender, (laughs) and no one pushed him into the net. He dove in, and then he sat in the net. And part of him was on the goalie. <laughs> and Sheldon Keefe and Co. were like, I don't know. Did Take he make a time contact? Out. Take a time out. <laughs> we got to figure this one out. And then the refs went over and was like, yeah, sorry. Obviously, our bad. Immediately, two seconds later. It's the same thing. He's Kevin Durant. He came to your franchise and it made the most dominant team ever. If I was a Warriors fan, I would have loved it. Are you kidding? Why would mm. a Warriors fan be upset about this? Because he left? Who cares? You won after he left? Is, yeah. is this the thing? Like, who... This is a very, very easy thing to break down. The Kevin Durant thing is not complicated. This Mm. has been overcomplicated by the billion talking heads that have had a billion opinions on Kevin Durant and all of the fan wars and the way that, again, they broke the NBA for a little while. Number one, Kevin Durant shouldn't have gone to the Warriors. It's pretty clear. Kevin Durant can defend it all he wants. It was a stupid decision by him. He can say he won his championships, he's got his finals MVPs, but here's the thing. The public is still talking about whether your jersey should be retired with the team that you won two finals MVPs with. It's pretty clear that you didn't cement a legacy there. You never overtook Steph. You never even came close. And they don't love you like that. They don't love you like that. Golden State State does not love you like that. It sucked because forever we're always going to wonder what Kevin Durant could have been outside of the Golden State Warriors because during that those prime years, he did go toe-to-toe with LeBron in those finals. And there were moments, there were stretches, there were games where he looked like he might be the better player at that time. He'll never get that credit because he decided to go to Golden State. He also did the eternal rule break of joining the team that just beat you. It's just, it's never a good look. It's it's never, like, mm-hmm. it's awful. This is something you learn in the third grade, and Kevin Durant <laughs> never was able to absorb it, and he went and joined the Warriors. It was bad. When he left the Warriors, after we all criticized him, we all criticized him, then we started criticizing him for leaving a winning situation to go to a losing situation. But he kind of screwed it up again because he went with Kyrie, of all people. Mm-hmm. Kyrie. That's who you hitched your wagon to. And they got hardened. Unbelievable. Like, and then they pushed in to have a new super team, which basically, if you're going to have a super team, just stay with Steph. (laughs) Stay with the Warriors. Cement your legacy there. And now he's in Phoenix, and who knows? Maybe he, maybe, maybe it works out. I doubt it. Maybe. (laughs) Hold on. 
But this is what's clear. He won multiple rings with the Warriors. Mm -hmm. They would have won again had he not gotten hurt, blown out his Achilles here in Toronto. And whatever, Raptors fans, if, if believe what you want, if you think that's disrespect, whatever. If Kevin Durant was healthy for that entire series, the Warriors would have hung another banner and we would be talking about the finals appearance. Yes. Period. Yes. And maybe the Raptors would have traded a Gasol, <laughs> Lowry, whatever, or earlier and the French has been a better spot, but whatever, I was worth it. <laughs> Who knows? That? No, I was worth it. You get to bring everything, of course, but just like, yeah, it's a completely alternate reality. Yeah. But Kevin Durant at that time, peak of his powers, yeah. They're getting, they're getting that done. The Warriors were, you know, a, a, a Steph Curry three away from forcing a game seven in that series without, with, with moments without clay, without KD, like it, they were beat up mm. running boogie cousins out there. So yeah, I, I do think that Kevin Durant would have tilted that series. And I, but I also don't think that it takes anything away from the Raptors championship because every year there's injuries in sports. It's a part of it. Yeah. The Raptors absolutely still deserve to win that title. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, again, people make these issues so complicated. It's not, it's really takes, <laughs> takes like just this, it's sports. It takes the like lowest, the smallest amount of thought. And people are just like, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's either you disrespect the Raptors it. or you not disrespect the Raptors. It's either you say, Katie, you know, it's yeah. just, it's, it, it, you can't do it. You it's can't like a moral any, issue. Yeah, you can't do any thought, right? None. Do you think Lowry gets a jersey retired? Yeah, of course. Of course, Lowry. Okay. The question would be about Kawhi, sure. Joe. The question's about Kawhi. <laughs> Lowry getting his jersey retired. Of all time, we'll have his number retired. Yes. Uh, yeah, Kawhi probably would have Joe, no more talking. That's the end of the show for <laughs> so, you. Do you that's think Kawhi should have his number retired in Toronto, JD? Yeah, of course. Him? Yeah, that's a, no, uh, that's I, a no doubt, no brainer. Here's as well. the thing: I actually don't think that his jersey should be retired, but I think that he should get a statue. <laughs> and if they did retire his jersey, I wouldn't be like, "Oh no!" It's like the guy delivered a championship here. What else do you want? Like, what is this all for? Here's what I would say: so people would be like, "Oh." Tyra Jose Calderon's jersey because he was a fan favorite for a long time. And you go, why? Why would you want? I would take that one year of Kawhi over any Raptors entire career. A hundred percent. Outside of, I, and here's, here's the truth. I would rather have that one year of Kawhi than all of Lowry's career as a Raptor. Yeah. So what are we talking about here? Same thing with Kevin Durant. You had the best player on the planet, potentially for a couple of years. He brought a couple championships. He helped solidify them. He's obviously getting his jersey retired. Like, duh. Why, why do we have to make these things complicated? Anyway, tomorrow, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Can't wait. See you then.